Good morning. It's not always easy for a person with a disability to find a job that can accommodate them. And now, because of a problem with federal regulations, 150 of them at one Leesburg nonprofit alone could be out of a job. For Thursday, May 3rd, it's your Loud Now Morning Minute. You and thousands of other people listen to the Morning Minute every day. It's trusted, it's personal, and you take it with you wherever you go. So if you've got a business, why not advertise on the Morning Minute and reach the thousands of people listening right alongside you wherever they are. Get in touch at loudonnow.com advertise or email us at sales at loudonnow.com. That's loudonnow.com advertise or sales at loudonnow.com. Thanks for being with us. I'm Rince Green. I've talked before about a nonprofit in Leesburg called ECHO, which stands for Every Citizen Has Opportunities. One of the things they do is connect people with disabilities with jobs and supports them in those jobs so that anybody who wants to earn a paycheck can. ECHO serves 196 people with intellectual and physical disabilities and helps connect about 150 of them with jobs at 16 sites around the community. ECHO workers can be found maintaining the lawn at the Howard Hughes Medical Institute's Janelia Research Campus or over at the FAA building in Leesburg, delivering mail at a Nova Loudon hospital, packing boxes at K2M, washing dishes at the Oath Campus in Sterling, or washing buses and limousines at Reston Limousine, just to name a few. For those people who cannot work at those job sites, for example, because of behavioral reasons or because they need medical attention all day long, Echo also had a mailroom at their headquarters, which employed about 22 people. But there is a conflict in federal regulations that threatens those jobs. And last week, the mailroom closed its doors for the last time, putting all of those people out of a hard-to-find job. And if nothing happens to change those regulations, more than 100 more people with disabilities could be out of a job, too. The people who support those ECHO clients at their jobs are in part paid for by federal dollars. For example, the clients get Medicaid money, which they can choose to put toward a job at ECHO. For an organization to receive funding, the Federal Workforce Innovation and Opportunities Act requires that the employees be placed in an integrated and competitive work setting. The Rehabilitation Services Administration has narrowly interpreted what integrated and competitive means, and as a result, many people who found jobs through ECHO could now lose those jobs because they aren't sharing a workplace with other non-disabled people. For example, landscaping or janitorial work is not considered integrated, so contracts like the FAA groundskeeping, by their nature, are excluded. In fact, that kind of federal contract is particularly vulnerable. Those contracts, uh, which are called Ability One contracts, require that at least 75% of working hours are done by people who are blind or significantly disabled, while the workforce innovation regulations simultaneously require that they work in the same workplace as the rest of the FAA's employees. Those jobs haven't gone away yet, but ECHO Executive Director Paul Donahue said they could at any time. And he said while it would be great if everyone could find a job in an integrated, competitive setting regardless of disability, there's skepticism in his profession that everyone can. In pursuit of perfection, they're, they're putting the screws down and destroying a lot of the good. Mm -hmm. And I think that mailroom was good. 
When Senator Tim Kaine visited Echo in February, Donahue and the rest of Echo's leadership alerted him to this problem. At the time, Kaine said, quote, If that is jeopardized, it's not just about the employment. It's also about quality of life and happiness. It's about the ability of a program like Echo to continue to serve, end quote. But since that time, there hasn't been any apparent progress. Senator Kane's spokeswoman, Miriam Lipper, said it's up to the Senate leadership whether to debate and vote on a topic. In an email, she wrote that as a member of the Senate Health, Education, Labor, and Pensions Committee, Kane has been speaking with his colleagues since his visit about the issues ECHO has faced and will be reviewing Workforce Innovation and Opportunities Act data that will be released over the summer to evaluate next steps. In her words, Senator Kane believes persons with disabilities should have access to employment options that match each person's skill level and promote economic self-sufficiency. Senator Kane's office did not have any specific uh, policy or legislative issues to put forth. But meanwhile, the people who worked in the mailroom have mostly had to fall back on Echo's day support program and will no longer get a paycheck. Echo staff members are working to convert what for decades was a mailroom into the new Echo Academy, with a soft opening planned in the fall. There, Echo's clients will be assessed for their interests and aptitudes and get training in the hard and soft skills they'll need to get a job. Other Echo staff members will be trying to hang on to some of those contracts the company has because they desperately need that revenue. For example, bus drivers might be picking up extra hours instead of those jobs being done by Echo clients. And still others are trying to come up with other sources of revenue for the nonprofit. It has set up a sister for-profit company, Echo Ventures, to come up with new ways to funnel money toward the nonprofit. You know, 89% of our revenue is coming from either you know, Medicaid or, or county funding. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, that's dangerous. In, in today's climate, that's very dangerous. We want to stay true to the mission. We have to, uh, we have to be more resilient and, and have those other streams of revenue mm-hmm. coming in. Go to loudonnow.com slash morning minute to check out the whole story. In other news, after 39 meetings plus subcommittee meetings and countless hours, the Envision Loudon Stakeholders Committee has got the first draft of the new comprehensive plan they've spent the last two years writing. The 231-page document contains community development policies intended to guide Loudoun's growth through 2040. The Stakeholders Committee first convened in June of 2016 with plans to hand off this first draft to the Planning Commission by that October. Well, that proved to be a bit too fast of a schedule. The panel worked with a team of consultants to create a new vision of urban-scale development along the Silver Line, debated the merits of allowing more development in the transition policy area, and sparred over how much new housing could or should be accommodated and where those homes should be built. And while the members of this diverse committee still disagree on a number of hot-button issues, the plan they've come up with will be presented to the public as representing a consensus of the committee. Since the beginning, the key question has been how much more development will be allowed in the county. Under the draft plan, the county is expecting to see construction of 44,614 additional residential units by 2040. That's about 15,580 more than would be expected under current planning and zoning rules. The majority of those are planned in eastern Loudoun, in new high-rise urban centers along the Dulles Greenway and along Route 7 near Route 28, and in lower-density mixed-use communities and redevelopment zones. And on Monday, the plan goes before the public so Loudoners can give their feedback on what the committee has been doing all this time. The first public review is set for May 7th. The complete document will be posted online at envision-loudon.org, and the public can submit comments online through June 1st. There will also be six community open house meetings around the county. 
Two members of the committee, Mike Turner and Al Van Hike, have bet a steak dinner on the public reaction. Turner thinks it's a great plan, more understandable, flexible, and easily updated. Van Hike, who helped write the comprehensive plan we're under now, predicted the plan would be met by widespread public opposition for its failure to control growth and protect the environment. He said the plan is too vague and that its toothless policies would leave county leaders unable to turn away developers' plans. You can find a full list of all the open houses in the story on our website. Loudoun supervisors have approved a new rule that requires owners of short-term residential rentals like the places on Airbnb or VRBO to register with the county government. The county board has been working toward regulation and oversight over short-term residential rentals since last year, and the question has divided supervisors. Those in favor of the registry have argued it puts those rentals on a level playing field with traditional hotels and bed and breakfast options. Where before the county did not have a system for tracking those rentals, with the registry, supervisors hope they can begin requiring those rentals to pay the same taxes and meet some of the same safety standards as other hospitality businesses. Supervisor Ron Meyer, the registry's most vocal opponent, argued this is just putting burdensome regulation from an old industry on a new one. He has also stirred up controversy on the board by attacking Visit Loudon for being involved in pushing the registry. The new ordinance requires a free annual registration with a penalty of $500 for renting out a property without registering up to $5,000 total. Violating the registration requirement would also prohibit registration thereafter for one or two years, and violating more than three state or local laws and regulations would prohibit registration for one year. The new rules will go into effect July 1st. And 100 Women Strong, a group of Loudoun donors who strive to strategically invest in programs that enrich the community, announced about a quarter million dollars worth of charitable gifts at a reception last night. The organization is donating $279,550 to 27 area nonprofits. That brings the total amount the philanthropic group has given to Loudoun nonprofits to more than $1.5 million. 100 Women Strong was started in December 2008 by 12 people who wanted to improve the quality of life for Loudoun County residents. Founder and President Karen Schaufeld said, quote, We strive to grant the right amount to the right nonprofit at the right time. We will not rest until all residents of our county achieve their full potential as active, contributing members of our community. You can see the full list of gifts and get the full story on all these stories over at loudonnow.com. On today's calendar, it's Trivia Night at Belly Love Brewing Company in Percival. Stop by for a night of mind-bending trivia with great beer and great friends. It starts at 7 p.m. Get the details on this event and check out the rest of the event's calendar at getoutloudon.com. And if you like the Morning Minute, take the next two years to write up a 231-page document laying out a plan for the podcast over the next few decades to tell all your friends and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. It'll be waiting for you there every morning. Okay. Have a great day.